Today we discuss the A-Sun men's basketball schedule release, Blake Weehunt being selected in the ninth round by the Boston Red Sox, and a whole lot of football roster updates. All and more on the Owl Chat Podcast. All right, Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette, and John Finer. Welcome back to the Outchat Podcast. John and I are back after a week-long hiatus. John, how you doing today, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm excited to get back at it. Um, you know, I know uh, I was ready to go at it in the holiday, but you had some time off. Uh, you took a vacation? I did. I was slacking. I was down in uh, Destin, Florida last week. Oh, nice. Nice. Good stuff. Well, I'm, again, glad to be back here and uh, doing this. We got some stuff from, you know, a week or two ago to catch up on, some new news. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think this one might go uh, might go over an hour. Right. We will. We were definitely not short on uh, news in the last week. So um, we've got stuff in every major uh, revenue sport here. We've got basketball news. We've got a schedule release. Um, we've got a uh, baseball player drafted for the 15th year in a row. And we've got several uh, important roster updates um, in the football department. Um, but first, uh, we've got some quick news and notes. So, John, if you want to take us away on that. Yeah, appreciate it, Kai. Um, we got some offers. And as you know, if you're listening to the Owl Chat podcast, um, we don't really touch on anything beyond the next year um, in basketball, at least, because, you know, players usually just commit a year out and are at our level. So we'll run through some 2024 uh, offers. We'll start with women's basketball just real quick. They offered Alana Poole, a 5'11 uh, forward from uh, the 2024 class. Uh, coach, uh, associate head coach Keisha McClinic, and uh, when she was at uh, Tennessee State last year, they offered her in last July. So I think she probably had uh, some influence there, or at least putting uh, her on the radar. Um, here's uh, we've got a couple men's basketball offers. Uh, one is one of them that I actually missed. Uh, that's of particular interest uh, to me. Uh, Micah Smith, uh, six seven forward of Sandy Creek. Uh, Smith has reported offers from Alabama and actually a, a lot of high major schools. Uh, so he would be a great get if we can land him. Um, you know, seeing the landscape and everything, you know, you kind of think, oh, yeah, we have we have no shot. But, you know, I want to say former KSU player uh, John Michael Nickerson is the head coach at Sandy Creek. So this one might not be as far fetched as it seems. I mean, who knows? Maybe we might have. Uh, Nickerson in our corner on that one. And, you know, relationships are everything. And a more recent offer is 6'4 guard Jackson Washington of the Christian Academy of Louisville in Kentucky. It looks like he's from Dayton, Ohio, and uh, he's getting a bunch of mid-major uh, interest uh, like Belmont, Kent State, and Akron. Um, you know, he's one of the ones I have no idea how he got on our radar, but, uh, you know, hopefully he's pretty good. Um, and last but not least on the rundown, uh, soccer has hired a, an associate head coach, Chris Cahill, after spending over 10 years with Middle Tennessee State as an assistant. Yes, I did not get that wrong. I double checked. It is 10 years. And it looks like the coach, uh, the head coach is still with Middle Tennessee State. So I'm thinking, you know, it sounds like him and Coach Walton uh, know each other somehow. 
um, and have a history. So it sounds like this was a, a willing participant to come to Kennesaw State as opposed to, hey, my coach got the coach got fired. I need a new job. Um, some interesting notes. Uh, I think I saw he was a Georgia Southern alum, but he was in 2008, way back in the day, he was previously the director of student athlete services uh, for, uh, I guess, a year. Um, and, you know, that's good because it gets him familiar, familiar with the school. Uh, it's totally changed now. New buildings everywhere. I don't even think the cafeteria was around back then, but he does have familiarity with the area, which is big. And, uh, you know, he assisted with advising, class registration, uh, supervising study hall. So he's the kind of guy that, you know, probably just, you know, sat on people that weren't doing their homework until they actually did it and kind of forced them uh, into it by submission. So that, that guy, he's that guy. And uh, he coached at Harrison High School uh, as well, uh, soccer in, in uh, Kennesaw. Man, 10 years is a long time to spend in Murfreesboro. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. We'll have to see if he's still sane. So our future, uh, hopefully our future rivals are not listening to our podcast right now. I mean, those uh, those women's soccer games are fun, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll have to uh, we'll have to definitely I'll definitely be watching, a you know, some more women's soccer this year than I'm used to. I'm going to try and find the time since work is uh, work has been slow. So if it's yeah. still slow, um, you know, definitely check those check the girls out got to fill the uh the weekdays during the fall especially when the football team is you know not playing for a whole lot this year absolutely absolutely and uh, kai i think uh you know we got some uh also we got some men's basketball news um as we kind of mentioned you know i'll, I'll kind of start off we've added uh florida state um to the schedule uh for november 10th um of course at florida state i assume this is the season opener but i'm not sure you know sometimes we play like a you know, a BS home game versus a non-D1 sometimes in like November 7th, November 8th. I didn't even look when the season started, but it's going to be right at the crack of the season. Um, FSU finished 9-23 and 23 last year and 7-13 and 13 in conference. So, you know, they're, they were a struggling team, uh, Leonard Hamilton's bunch. Um, they are returning their second leading scorer um, and their uh, fourth leading scorer. And they're also returning a couple guys like Cam Corhan and Jalen Worley, who started 21 games. Uh, their leading scorer transferred to Miami, third leading scorer transferred to Memphis, but they did hit up the portal. Um, some interest, the thing that interested me when they hit up the portal, they brought in uh, forward Jameer Watkins. He was one of uh, VS VCU's best players last year. Uh, when we played them, he played six minutes and didn't score because he suffered a bone bruise in that game. So, you know, he that's I'm going to watch him because I'm sure he's going to remember, man, they took us to the wire. And I, I don't think Watkins is going to let his team, you know, take it easy on us. So that's something uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Also added Primo Spears from Georgetown, a 6'3 guard, average 16 and 5, and Josh Nickelberry from LaSalle, who looks more like a three-point specialist. So and, that's what I have on them. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw somewhere that the payday was around 80 grand for us to go that down would, and play this game. That wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more like 90, 90 to 100. But uh, yeah, something like that is usually the, mm. the pay for a money game. Right. Um, you know, I like it, you know, Florida state, it's a lot easier to travel. We could probably take a bus, not have to, you know, fly there. So, you know, get pocket even more of that money, I suppose. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that we get them so early in the season. Um, cause Florida state's a team that we probably would have beaten last year, um, as much as they struggled in the ACC. Um, you know, that being said, it's, being either the first or second game of the season and for sure being the first real opponent on the schedule. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of feeling out to get done. So yeah. 
you know, it's going to be no easy matchup. And I assume we'll enter as, you know, 15 to 20 point underdogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, especially after, you know, losing so many key players. Um, you know, I think people, you know, I don't bet, but, you know, the betting markets, you know, I don't know how people are going to react to that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fans like, you know, fans like me will say, hey, you know, we still have Burden and Robinson. Um, people that research the team, they'll just look at the, you know, they don't really watch or just look at the paper and say, oh, they lost Youngblood, Jennings and Stroud, you know, yeah. 50, 20 point under. 30 point under whatever it is and uh, Amir. (laughs) Yes. And, and Amir and Amir. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely going to be interesting to watch. I know um, for some reason, Kennesaw state developed like a, a cult gambling following on Twitter um, because of the way we covered games last year, people kind of tracked our trajectory and Mm -hmm. kind of saw the, the rise up and, you know, over the last couple of years, and we're kind of all all in on us to kind of peak and make that money. So again, like, you know, I'm not a degenerate gambler that follows, you know, low majors and makes those predictions. Right. Um, hopefully you're not either, Kai. <laughs> not anymore. But uh, it was, um, no, I remember that pretty well. I think it was up to like 10 games straight that we had covered the spread last year, which is uh, insane. So, you know, if you're going to gamble, uh, bet on the owls. <laughs> I like that. Is that is that our new slogan for the uh, basketball season? I think it absolutely should be. Oh, perfect. I'm sure <laughs> the school will love that. Right. But yeah, before we get into um, the conference schedule, I was going to mention that um, seems like the athletic department's really following the same formula that they did last year, putting together the schedule. I mean, you go down to Florida um, beginning of the season, you know, we played UF down in Gainesville last year. Um, then we've got the three game tournament that I assume will be around Thanksgiving week Thanksgiving weekend when we go play up at ECU and then I guess we were good guests at Indiana so they're willing to have us back in December so yeah as long as they keep beating us they'll probably have us back um so it would it's only going to take us winning once and then they'll probably be, think they'll probably think <laughs> once right I mean we were a nice uh resume booster for him last year so oh that is that is true that 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 is very good incentive to have us back so right. uh transitioning on uh on that note if you don't have anything else we have some uh the conference schedule was released this week and I know Kai took a lot of notes on that did his uh, as he sips his coffee and does his due diligence. Um, we, yeah, what do you got? So, I mean, a few things stand out. Um, as I'm sure you noticed, you got the three games at home to open, and then you got the three games at home to close, which I think works in our favor. Um, I haven't looked too deep into other teams in the A-Sun schedule. Um, I assume it's probably, you know, they probably have three game stretches like that somewhere in the schedule as well, just because the A-Sun's pretty consistent with their scheduling. Um, that being said, I think this works well in our favor because, uh, we've got a, you know, young team that hasn't really gelled together. I think getting three toss up games at home is what I'll call them for now to begin the season is a great way to build momentum and kind of get your feet under you. We open with Queens Stetson and Florida Gulf coast, um, Queens and Florida Gulf coast were kind of in the middle of the pack last year, but Queens gave us fits, um, Florida Gulf coast gave us a tough run at home too, as well. Um, Stetson's expected to be near the top of the conference, but I think because we get them early, we've got a chance to, uh, I don't know, do something against them at home. Um, other things that jump out are only playing EKU once who at the moment is the favorite in conference. Um, they got the best of us last year on their home court and gave Liberty a real run for their money in the conference tournament. And they return a lot of that production. Um, so, you know, we're so far out, it's too early to make any sort of predictions, but, uh, I think EKU 
getting them only once and getting them at home um, could very much be a difference maker. Um, another thing is getting Bellerman only once. Um, and that's at home too, I believe. Um, say what you want about Bellerman, but they're a nightmare to play for any coaching staff. I mean, they play insane basketball where they just don't dribble, you know, tight seven, eight man rotation. It's just pass, 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 shoot. Um, yep. They gave a mere fits last year. Uh, luckily we pulled it out on the road in their 20,000 seat arena and like double overtime. Um, but yeah, uh, just, that one was painful, Kai. I remember that. Oh my God. It was, it was a hard watch. It was like 93, 87 or something like that. Yeah. Crazy. I think Chris and, Youngblood missed two game winners at the end of regulation at the end of first overtime. So yeah. And, and, you know, piggybacking on that, I, you know, we kind of mentioned this on Twitter or I kind of mentioned this on Twitter and I know Kai mentioned it, but the EKU game that mirrors the Liberty game from this past year where we only played them once and we only played them at home and that beating Liberty at home during the regular season last year, that is probably the reason that we were able to play Liberty at home in the tournament. So, you know, you want to play your top team at home. And I mean, there's, that game is, that game could be for all the marbles. That game could be for, you know, a big seed, that sort of thing. So I think that's a very key and fortunate part of our schedule. Um, you know, and another thing that I noticed on the schedule is actually, it's not really related to the men's basketball schedule, but I looked at the women's basketball schedule and it is strangely formatted in the same exact way. Three straight games at home to start, three straight on the road to end. And then you have, you know, I really, I really only, you know, it's hard to compare them, you know, right next to each other. That'll, I'm, right. I'm not that focused, but like, I really looked up like, okay, two home, two home, two road, two road, blah, blah, blah. And tried to compare them. And I really only saw like one deviation of one like game. So it's going to follow a similar format. So I just found that right. interesting. Right. I also, I got to say, I just love the way that the A-Sun puts schedules together where they'll have like the regional teams not travel together, but travel to the same place at the same time. Or, you know, the road trip will be like, you know, we go play Stets and then we go play Florida Gulf Coast two days later. Um, they do a good job of it. <laughs> and whoever's job that is, uh, shout out to them. But yeah. Um, so another thing that stands out is the two um, away games that we have where we only play the team once are Austin P in Central Arkansas. Um, which, you know, the two bottom teams in the conference last season. Now I have to swallow my pride a little bit and admit that I may have been wrong and have jumped the gun on Austin P. Uh, they've added some really nice pieces uh, coming yeah, over from reloaded, Western man. state. Yeah. DeMarcus Sharp shot like 54% from three last year, which is sharp shooter. I mean, video game numbers. Um, that being said, I don't expect a whole lot out of central Arkansas. And, you know, that being like one of our sole, um, one game stands and having it on the road um, plays in our favor. So, I mean, that's where we won, you know, the ace on regular season title last year. So. Yeah. Does anybody want to live in central Arkansas? Like, you know, <laughs> like how do you get players? Like, yeah. Right. Hey, you want to come to central Arkansas kid in Atlanta? Oh exactly. man, I've already dreamed of it my whole life. Yes. Commit You're only, now. only an hour away from the Ozarks, man. <laughs> it can't yeah. be that bad. <laughs> oh my God, we could go, you know, in the mountains and dig for gold or whatever they do in Arkansas. Um, yeah. But no, that's, you know, I, I'm just glad that, you know, the A-Sun didn't somehow find a way to like, you know, dig us around, like perhaps, you know, Liberty Baseball felt like because they were leaving the conference last year. They they yeah. kind of felt like they got the short end of the schedule in baseball. They scheduled them um, on the road against all the good teams. 
and at home against all the bad teams. So it hurt their RPI, their RPI and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that right now. I still have some animosity against the A-Sun for, you know, kicking us out of the, um, you know, the conference. I was going to say they did, uh, they did kind of screw us off in uh, football. So I think yeah. we already got our punches. Yeah, that's true. And I'm going to keep an eye on baseball too. They still have the opportunity to screw us there. So that's, but that's going to be to be continued. Right. Uh, speaking of which, unless you got anything more to add on this uh, ASUN schedule, we've got uh, some baseball stuff to get into. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, we have a little bit more basketball news to get into. Oh, that's, um, that's right. My fault. Yes. Um, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to run through this pretty quickly, but it's more of a profile that I wanted to kind of go over. Um, kind of a lesser known alum that's might become more of a well-known alum. Um, James Wade, former Owls guard, 1996 to 1998, um, is now an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. Um, If you don't know uh, James Wade, uh, he was previously the head coach and GM of the Chicago Sky in the WNBA. Um, He won a WNBA championship in 2021. And since 2019, I didn't look at the years, but he's been both coach of the year and executive of the year in the WNBA. Um, Wade is actually was actually a good player for Kennesaw State too. Um, it's not like he was just there and riding the bench. Um, from ninety from nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety eight, um, I assume that's the D two era. Uh, he holds the D two slash NAIA era era. Sorry, so anything but D one for a free throw percentage in a season with eighty seven point three percent. Also number seven in that era in three point percentage at forty three point eight percent. And he led the Owls in assists with 86 in the 97-98 campaign. And he is well-traveled. He played professionally from 2001 to 2013 in a bunch of different countries, France, Russia, Spain, Belgium, Czech Republic. Um, Got his uh, start coaching around 2012 as a a WNBA intern, I believe. Um, You know, kind of worked his way up to a WNBA assistant, coached overseas in Russia for a few years before landing the, the gig with the sky that elevated him to the NBA now with the Raptors. So that's going to be fun to see, you know, if he can grow himself into maybe a future NBA head coach candidate one day. Right. We'd love to see that. And, you know, uh, anything to build the profile of the program uh, goes a long way in recruiting. You know, it's another guy you can point to and it's like, you know, here's a, here's a program alum that's doing big things in the sport. So Absolutely. Love to see it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much everything I have on basketball before I transition to some baseball news. You got anything else on Wade, Kai? That's all I got. Nope. All right. Cool. Um, we will go to just a quick rundown and then we'll go into some bigger baseball news. Um, Smith Pinson, uh, Owl's big right hander. Uh, he's if you listen to us last time, you would know that he's playing in the Cape Cod League. Um, about two weeks ago, he pitched uh, six shutout innings against the Bourne Braves and got a win in a 4-0 effort. That's actually June 29th. The interesting thing about this win is that he beat our old friend or enemy, depending on uh, where you stand, Garrett Horn, who is a pitcher for Liberty, uh, who plays for the Bourne Braves, uh, which is actually the team that Max Pentecost, former Owls baseball legend, uh, he won the MVP in, I think it was what, 20, was it 2013, 14, something like that. Uh, he played for the Bourne Braves in the Cod, in the Cape Cod League. Uh, also, Blake Ida, who started out strong in the Cape, uh, struggled his past two outings. Um, you know, his peripherals like walks have gone uh, atrociously uh, downward, uh, but he's been able to minimize overall the damage uh, to keep his ERA under three. But, you know, I'm sure he has higher 
aspirations for himself, and I'm sure he'll turn it around. Um, so that's that's the little quick rundown on that. Um, you know, we still have some owls in the minor leagues. No, no updates for you guys, but we still have Tyler Tolvey for the Mississippi Braves in double A, Josh Hatcher for the Frisco Rough Riders in double A, Jake Rice for the Arizona Diamondbacks in double A. Um, and yeah, that we have that going on. And speaking of uh the baseball draft uh was the past three days, and uh, the owls have a player drafted for the 15th consecutive year. Uh, that would be uh, Blake Weehunt. Uh, he's a big righty, throws, you know, low to mid 90s, probably touches in the mid 90s. Um, you know, I fully expect him to sign soon. I This is not one of those where it's like, will he come back to school? I don't think there's a chance um, unless something absolutely batshit crazy happens that Weehunt will be returning. Um, I know I got some scoop that he interviewed with over 10 teams before the draft. And, you know, he was playing this summer for the Gainesville Gold Diggers, as I think I mentioned that uh, one of the prior weeks. And he also, I heard he even traveled to Virginia to play in kind of an all-star game a few weeks ago. And I'm assuming there were a lot of scouts there. And he must have made a good impression because when I talked, we had a couple of weeks ago, I was like, ah, he'll be somewhere on day three, which is around 11, 20. But he went in round nine. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I under, I under promised and we hunt over delivered. So good for him. And, um, just some fun notes on Mr. We hunt, um, something I found interesting about him. And I tweeted this out, uh, he spent 2020, 2021 and 2022 at Southern Miss and only pitched 11 innings combined. Um, but the, the interesting thing to me is he never redshirted. Usually, you know, when you spend three years of the school and throw 11 innings, you know, you'll be redshirting the season, you'll be hurt another season, whatever. You know, it just sounds like, you know, he pitched one inning here, two innings here, eight innings there. So I just found that really interesting. Um, he still did have or does have one more year of eligibility um, due to COVID if he wants to, uh, if he wanted to return to Kennesaw State. But again, that's not going to happen. Um, he did have a 4.83 ERA for the Owls. There was some inconsistency there with his control, but, you know, I do think his ERA could have been inflated as well because of our infield defense. So um, that's the rundown on Blake Weehunt. Um, before, you know, I do have some, uh, you know, I would like to discuss some other aspects of that, but do you have anything to add on Weehunt? I was just going to say, uh, you know, it brings up the question of what benefits the program more, um, you know, having a guy drafted within the first three days or, you know, losing one of your, well, losing one of your best, uh, you know, pitchers, um, but, or, you know, that would benefits the program more that, or having a guy like him return to hold down that rotation. Um, and that's, I would argue great that, question. you know, having, uh, having a guy drafted um, in the top 10 rounds, you know, especially a transfer um, goes a long way in selling kids on, you know, coming to your school after they've been shafted of playing time at another mid-major type program. Yeah, similar to how Josh Hatcher came in and got played a year and was picked up in the 10th round by the Rangers in the uh, in the previous draft. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm entirely with you on that, Kai. Um, but it's, you know, if we had another player that would get drafted to keep up the streak to 15 years, you know, I'd probably be like, yeah, you know what? I'd kind of like to have We Hunt back in school and be our Friday night guy again, uh, right. selfishly. Of course, right. I'm very happy for Blake. He's... You know, he's a good he, he seems like a good dude. He's 
you know, he's earned it. He's obviously, you know, put in the work to get better. So I'm happy for him. But, you know, that's a big, you know, a big spot in the Owls uh, rotation that we're going to have to fill. Um, and, you know, just kind of transitioning to talking a little bit about, you know, the actual team and the on-field product. You know, I do think we have some guys that can step up this year. Um, not last year, but this year, we have some guys I think will have developed enough to take on a weekend role. Uh, Braden Osbolt is going to be our only returning weekend starter. So as of right now, I think he's kind of most proven. So I think you have to kind of lock him on Friday unless somebody just kind of takes things by storm um, this year. Um, but losing Wee Hunt means uh, must mean that we freed up some money to have, you know, to put for another pitcher. Uh, so we'll, we're going to see what the Owls can bring in. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure the coaches knew that, you know, there's a good chance that they would be losing Wee Hunt. You know, I, you know, I kind of had a good chance. So if the coaches didn't, well, you know, so I'm sure they've been working on that. Uh, mm. And the, the unfortunate thing in baseball, or at least in our level, Kai, is, you know, and I talk to some people in the baseball community sometimes, you know, I read a lot of Kendall Rogers, um, you know, the perfect game guys. I follow, you know, people that have some influence there and college baseball, you know, especially this year has turned into the wild West um, with the NIL, the money going to players. Right. Um, and it wasn't, I don't think it was even like that last year, the money was more football and basketball, but now it's gotten, you know, the fundraising initiatives have gotten to the bigger school. So it makes it very hard for a school like us to compete when I doubt we have any, you know, um, NIL available to, you know, get players and lure talent. I mean, right. I, I hate, I personally hate it as a KSU fan and, you know, even as a fan of the game, because, you know, what's stopping, you know, a school that makes big money from just, you know, covering an entire scholarship cost times like five to bring in a player when otherwise they would not have any money to bring to that player. There are no, like, there's no rules. Like I, right. you know, I've, I've heard I, rumors that like players that are, are very good, but not like, you know, top like first round top right. 10 picks or anything getting like six figures um all of that so that is just very concerning to me well baseball is um a weird different perspective on nil too because you know you have guys coming out of high school who get drafted and they can choose to either you know go play uh single a ball right out of high school and make i don't know a grand a month or they can go to school and make 60 grand to a hundred grand, you know, playing at LSU um, or wherever they choose to go. And that also, you know, not every school profits off of baseball. Um, just about every D school, D one school, I would imagine uh, turns a profit on football and basketball. Um, that's just not, not just not the case with baseball. Um, I have always seen NIL as kind of a necessary evil because I think so much of it was already going on. Um, that it's tough for me to say, you know, this is just not good when I think it's just revealed um, and it wasn't before. Um, but yeah, it's a tri tricky topic. And um, we at our level of baseball are the ones getting shafted. That's undeniable. Yeah, I, I honestly don't even know what to think, like how much was going on under the table. I'm sure stuff was going on, but now they can just be outright and open, let everybody in. I mean, you know, they can bring in people to fundraise. It's it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game between like, you know, slipping a kid, you know, five to ten, uh, five to ten thousand 
um, you know, here or there, you know, for signing. Um, you know, you don't have to hide, you don't have to worry about hiding it. Oh, is this kid gonna, you know, tell or, you know, am I gonna get in trouble for this? None of that. So, right. but you know, it's a, it's a new landscape, and uh, the Owls, you know, their approach, our approach um, has been to develop freshmen first and foremost. That's been, I think, the Ryan Co. Uh, philosophy from the start. But you know, now with the way the transfer portal is, it just makes it harder for us to kind of fill in the gaps, right? Right. Um, really, we have to, you know, sell guys on, you know, d- the advantages of coming to a mid-major, and there are a lot of them, are number one, playing time. Um, you're going to, you know, if you go to a big school like Georgia, what's going to stop them from, you know, paying even more money for somebody else that's going to come in and take your job, and then you're not going to play, then you're not going to get drafted. Um, and also, you know, development, like, you know, if you don't play, you're probably not going to, you know, develop. Um, you know, the Owls and other schools that don't have this NIL pot, um, they we have to be more invested in individual player development. So taking a guy as a freshman, molding him in, you know, building that relationship with him so he stays and grows and develops within our program, because we're not going to be able to take the guy that's already, a you know, Paul Skeens or something throwing, you know, 95 and and the way it used to be, we, you know, we used to be able to get decent guys, you know, like, uh, you know, Zegna was okay. Um, but, you know, before that, Bezdecek and Myers were solid. Like, those are the type of, you know, D2, D1 level guys. Like, those are all, you know, going to the, you know, the high majors now. We we right. don't have a play on those guys just because, you know, we really have to have a relationship with with those players or the coaches related to them to bring them in to kind of supersede the money. Well, and that's where scouting comes into play because there is so much talent, local talent in the state of Georgia. Um, But, you know, it's hard to make that shift after we've branded ourselves as um, this almost second chance type of type of program with guys like we hunt and guys like Hatcher. Um, You know, you got to stop relying so much on the bounce backs and you got to develop the uh, the freshmen, like you said. Well, it takes um, time to develop those freshmen, as it you does. know. It does. And this is going to be the first year where the freshmen of, you know, that Ryan Co brought in are actually, you know, eligible. Well, actually, actually, it won't be. Uh, Blake Ida will be eligible because I think he'll be 21 before the draft. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're still so young, you know, that we have to or we have to, you know, bring in those guys. And uh, right. Well, the uh, the good thing about that is it becomes Co's team, really. Um, and you can kind of shift expectations um on to co and his staff so yeah and you know like you said there's there's plenty of high school talent in georgia you know the problem is you know you got the ugas and georgia techs bringing in the you know the talented players that have proven it and uh, it's so we're really going to have to develop you know a strong culture um make sure we you know are very careful with our money that we do have and that we hit on the players that we do bring in and just be, you know, we just need a little bit of right. luck. It's going to be, I think it's going to be harder for some of the smaller schools that you, you know, like may, maybe the Oral Roberts of the world. Again, I don't know. They, they might be loaded. I have no idea. But, you know, some of the non-Power 5 type schools to really make a difference in baseball as the years go on. Right. And, you know, we still have a good local reputation. I mean, the 15 straight years having a player drafted, you know, is a huge thing to sell to recruits and transfers, obviously. Um, that, and, you know, we're going from a pretty good baseball conference to a pretty good baseball conference. So as long as we do our due diligence and have the right people in place, I think the baseball program will stay afloat. Um, Absolutely. I mean, going to conference USA, that's definitely a plus 
Um, ASUN's a good conference, but I don't think Conference USA is ever going to have, you know, the bottom feeders that the ASUN will, right. you know, play. I mean, I kind of feel weird saying that, seeing how, you know, North Alabama swept us, but, um, you know, those North Alabama, Queens type games where you kind of look at it on your schedule and it's like, oh God, that's going to kill our RPI. Right. Totally. Um, unless you got anything else to add on this, uh, this NIL talk and uh, baseball talk, we can transition to some football news. No, I, I don't have anything here, but yeah, we have uh, we have some football news. Uh, replacing Kenji Cotton as a defensive ends coach is uh, uh, Davern uh, Williams. Um, he coached at UAB most recently, has stints at uh, Chattanooga and Troy, Murray State and Jacksonville, and uh, also uh, Troy's his alma mater, by the way. So he did coach at his alma mater a bit. I uh, spent a few years at uh, you know that Mississippi College, a community college. I forget the exact name of it. He was on a Last Chance U, where they kind of focused on you know the life at a community college. So it was EMCC, EMCC. There we mm -hmm. go. Um, and also just some interesting notes on Williams. He was drafted in 2003 by the Dolphins, and uh, I think it was a seventh round pick. Don't quote me on that. He played three games in the NFL. Uh, for the Giants in 2004, recording seven tackles and half a sack. And he comes from the uh, same school as uh, Travis Bell, our first uh, Kennesaw State draftee. So that's just a nice little uh, coincidence there. Right. Right. I don't know a ton about Williams, but, um, you know, that's a pretty good three-game career <laughs> just based on those uh, statistics. Yeah. It makes me wonder, you know, what happened. But, you know, that's a story for another day. Like, you know. Sure, he got hurt or something. Yeah. But and, hey, he lived the dream. Yeah. He made the he, league. He, did. he yeah. did. He did. And that might make it a little bit easier also to, you know, sell kids. He knows how to, you know, get them there, what to expect. So that that could be a selling point as a as a coach to recruit some new uh new new people. Right. Uh before we get too deep into the roster changes, I just want to ask you this. How excited are you to see Preston Daniels catch a ball running down the seam? Oh man. I I have no idea how much we're gonna get him uh over the middle. But um, we have a lot of roster changes and uh, Preston Daniels is one that really pops out seeing as how, you know, he was such a prominent member of last year's team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to start us off with, um, sure. I think, slot back Gabriel Benyard. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of lead on this, um, you know, got some, you know, I just kind of want to, before we get into the roster changes, I just kind of want to do a, you know, a general rundown for our listeners. Um, there were a lot of changes, um, and we don't have time to go over them all. Um, if you want to see them, you can go to ksuowls.com, hit football, hit roster. So we won't be going over everything, but, you know, I'm going to cover the stuff that I deem, you know, important, maybe the players who, you know, have, you know, been more prominent over the past few years that you'll recognize by name because most of the players on the roster, they had some kind of change, whether increased five to 10 pounds onto their weight. Um, you know, one player shifted 30 pounds. Um, there are a lot of number changes. The freshmen got their numbers, number changes for returning players. They're moving around to new numbers. This guy takes that, that guy takes his number, just a lot of piggybacking there. Um, and of course, due to the changes in coordinators, a lot of position changes, uh, more than usual, which makes this segment probably more newsworthy than it otherwise uh, would be. For example, we had guys that were already signed or played a year or two at a certain position. And due to the coaching changes, um, they were moved to a new position on the roster to better reflect the scheme fit is what I imagine. Um, so whether it be, you know, size, skill, 
or both. Um, you know, players have moved around to completely different positions. And again, we don't have time to cover every change. So, you know, I'll go over the meat and potatoes for you guys. Um, so, um, and if I missed anything, feel free to tweet me or Kai. I'm at Keshu Owl Howell, and you can find him at, at Big Owl Blog. Um, so slot back Gabriel Benyard, who we all know, and, punt, and kick and punt returner, he switched from number 26 to number one. So he'll be wearing that unfamiliar number. Uh, the biggest change that Kai was alluding to is that uh, big beefy uh, Preston Daniels, who was number two, he switched from, you know, big fullback to tight end. Um, and, you know, and Kai, you're excited to see that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense uh, if he's got any sort of hands. Uh, he's got that sneaky speed for his build, um, you know, and can run anybody over. Um, so, like I said, just seeing him run up the middle and catch a catch a ball is going to be an exciting thing to see. Um, but we'll see where he falls on that depth chart. So, yeah, I mean, just because you're the top B back doesn't mean you're you know going to play at a tight end. It could be, you know, it could be a situation where we'll have more transfers out than usual because of this after the year, because we're still, you know, looking to put the pieces in the right slots. Um, right. Some but more it, notes. Yeah, but it does tell you that, you know, the coaching staff values him enough as an athlete to try and keep him involved, you know, even with the, uh, the scheme changes. So. Oh, of course. And it says, you know, he wants to come back as well. And, you know, the triple option is kind of dying off. So, you know, I don't know if he has that lateral, you know, agility to play a reg, you know, regular halfback position. He'd probably have to be more of a uh, blocking back or something at another school if he went over. So, right. um, you know, we'll see how it goes for him. Um, a lot of players have actually changed to tight ends since, you know, we didn't really have a lot of tight ends on the roster or we didn't make use of them uh, previously. Mm. Um, cornerback Chance Gamble has switched from number 31 to number three. Uh, standout DB DeAndre Morris has moved from his familiar 25 to number 26. Uh, linebacker Garland Benyard, who we all know as number 41, has moved to number seven. Uh, so both Benyard uh, twins have moved numbers. And Garland has apparently, allegedly, supposedly, uh, put on 15 pounds. So uh, hopefully that's good weight. <laughs> um, and uh, on the QB side, um, you know, three quarterbacks have actually switched from QB to defensive back. So, you know, we were at a situation, you know, six months ago where we we're looking at the roster and like, wait a minute, there's like eight or nine guys here that are playing quarterback and there's no way that they can all take snaps. So we'll start with D'Angelo Hardy, who's probably the most established, so to speak, of the quarterbacks. And he's moved to DB. Um, he wore number 13 last season in honor of Ladarius Clardy and will return to the number 10 that he wore previously. So I imagine 13 will be occupied by somebody who has earned it and represents what Ladarius stood for in the program. Um, other QBs that moved to DB are uh, Nick Sawyer. I think he's a sophomore. Don't quote me on that. Uh, you know, he moved to uh, DB, Sparkman High School in Alabama. And also we have uh, one other. Um, this one's interesting. Uh, Markel Redding, he signed in December as a, this December 2022, as a QB, uh, but he's listed on the roster as a DB. So, you know, that change has obviously been made you know, I don't know how it was decided, but uh, that change has been made uh, here at Kennesaw State. Um, Isaac Foster, uh, we kind of knew this, um, you know, he'll switch to wide receiver. That's been one of the changes that everybody knew about if you've been paying close attention to the program. The 11 Alive uh, segment, <laughs> Isaac yes. Foster, wide receiver. 
Yes, he did. And that kind of that kind of gave the gave it away, so to speak. And I think he'll be a good fit there. Kai, what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know, Swiss Army knife. I think uh, you could put him anywhere on that offense. Hell, put him at left tackle. And I think he uh, he could survive two snaps. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be better at uh, wide receiver in a more traditional <laughs> offense because he doesn't have to take the beating. You right. know, he's been often injured and, you know, he's 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 quick. I guess as maybe Jim Ross of uh, AEW would say he's quick as a hiccup. Um, when you get out there, you can, you know, cut on a dime, that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a good fit for him. Um, Tyler, a note, some notes that I found interesting, Tyler Hallam, a transfer from Reinhardt to attended Lassiter was added to the roster at number 20. And again, I'm not covering guys who signed on signing day. This is kind of, you know, an addition to that, that we, you know, I didn't really know about. Um, he was an NAIA All-American honorable mention at Reinhardt as a DB last year. So in state, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, you know, if that's a guy to watch, how that's going to translate over um, to the next level. But um, yeah, definitely watching him. Um, let's see here. Also, another freshman to keep an eye on is Josh Williamson, added as a wide receiver. He's listed as 5'10", 150 from Greater Atlanta Christian. So yeah, he needs to put on some weight, I would say. But, um, you know, I do recognize the name and that's the reason I'm bringing him up. Because I know, you know some people, I wasn't at the spring game, but I know some people messaged me like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And they're like, oh, is that Josh? Will That's a Josh Williamson. I'm like, who? So, you know, I'm thinking he might be a guy just to keep an eye on as a walk-on, very undersized, but, you know, could be one of those underdog types. Hey, he's a Cobb County product, so. Yeah, you know. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, back to some more changes. Elijah Kirby of Riverwood High School in Sandy Springs has, a, I think he's a junior has added 10 pounds and switched from DB to linebacker. Uh, Kamari McGowan, has, uh, who's from uh, Murfreesboro, uh, again, home to MTSU, going back to that, has switched from slot back to wide receiver. Yesiah um, Clemens, who earned a scholarship recently, I think I saw, due to his great work in the program and his strong on-field play. It looks like he's added 15 pounds and has switched to number 24. I believe he was uh, 37 last year. Um, Let's see here. We have Dimitri Barnes, uh, up 20 pounds uh, from 6'4", 235 to 255 on the D-line. Uh, he was the first 20-pound uh, shift I came across going through the roster until two minutes later when I saw Cameron Donald, who jumped from 6'1", 250 to 6'1", 280. It's making me wonder, like, is this a one-year change? Do they just not update the roster for a year or two and just kind of transferred everything over and they, fi you know, they finally made the changes? I don't know what the truth is. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle, but that's a big jump. So Donald is 6'1", 280 now. Um, Corian Watson, who we're bringing in, I think he's a Juke, uh, not Juco. I think he's a, a definitely a college transfer. I think Is he a freshman? Do you know, Kai? I can't remember, actually. I am not sure. But anyways, he's... But anyways, he's the heaviest player at 325 pounds um, on the roster. And if you had a uh, freshman punter, Jacob Ulrich, as the tallest, then you are a genius. Uh, we have a bunch of people at 6'4". Uh, the, the freshman punter is 6'5". So that's useless information, but congratulations to him on that extra inch. I'm sure uh, after listening to this podcast, he can brag about it. Um, Hell, let him and, take some snaps at that height. That's a, that's a great quarterback build right there. Yeah, let's, let's just move it over. He can, you know, he can punt the ball, you know, punt the ball deep instead of throw it. And um, I wish it worked like that. That'd be pretty cool to see. Um, my brother from another mother, Connor Finer, has moved from tight end to wide receiver. Um, he got a, he got some playing time last year. Not a huge deal, but, 
you know, same last name, no relation. So I had to mention him. Of course. Of um, course. Convert, conversely, wide receiver uh, Rowan Darnell um, has moved from wide receiver to tight end. So I guess those counteract each other. I don't know. Um, Seth Adams, who we brought in from uh, like Cumberland University or whatnot last year to be offensive tackle in our scheme, has moved to tight end. And finally, Gatlin Hancock, who just signed this past December as an offensive lineman, uh, he's going to be playing uh, tight end for us. So those are all the noteworthy changes, Kai. Is there anything that stands out to you? Anything that I missed that you want to discuss? Uh, part of me wonders how much of the three quarterbacks uh, transitioning to defensive back has to do with the, <clears throat> excuse me, the lack of depth in the DB room um, from last year. Um, really top heavy defensive back room. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea how much those guys are going to play at defensive back, but uh, it seems like a, a place of need. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think it has everything a lot to do also with, you know, of course, the quarterback you know, oh, situation is, is different. They're going to have to throw more. So maybe right. they got to look at these guys when they got on campus, you know, start throwing You're like, you know what, maybe maybe this is not going to be the fit for you after all. And they moved them over. And, you know, we have all our slot backs that are shifting to wide receiver. And, you know, it seems we're kind of set there. You know, we have guys like Isaac Foster, Ben Yard. We have, we have bodies there. So it's like, okay, you can play wide, maybe play wide receiver and, you know, not really do anything and get buried. Or maybe, you know, you have a chance to play DB and, you know, make a difference and just see what you can, you know, kind of do. You have Markeith Montgomery, uh, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Morris. But, you know, I just, you know, kind of feel like you said, there's probably more upward mobility at that position. Right, right. And, you know, with the position changes, a lot of these guys are going to have to bury a lot of pride. So just hope that uh, Bohannon's philosophy gets through to all of these guys and everybody just embraces their role. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, I think we're going to get a lot more roster drop off, even perhaps during the season um, and after the season than usual, just because, you know, Preston Daniels is like, man, I don't like playing tight end or, right. you know, one of the quarterbacks is like, you know what, I'm a quarterback. I'd rather play quarterback you know, at a D3, D2 school than I would playing defensive back. I'm not really good at this. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, all of this is going to be very interesting to watch. And, you know, as you, if you followed me, you'll know I keep a close eye on the online roster and keep my ear to the ground on to, you know, what's happening. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited there. Yeah. And, you know, drop off happens. It's part of transition. Uh, wouldn't call for anybody to freak out, you know, when we have 20 guys leave the program after the season, you know, it's just part of it. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't worry about that at all, especially, you know, under usual circumstances, you know, maybe if we had, right. you know, mass people leaving, but you know, I would say so, it is to be expected. Yeah. Yes. 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 So let's, you know, so everybody just calm down, everyone calm down right now. You've, you know, kind of like when, uh, you know, the basketball team uh, lost the young blood and all that and, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, we're going to suck again. We're going to lose everybody. And, I, you know, I was on Twitter like, guys, we still have Robinson and Burden. Let's let's take a step back. And then we got Petway. And I was like, oh, my God, we got Coach Petway. And, oh, mm -hmm. my God, he brought in, you know, these guys from some high majors and some good freshmen. We're going to be right back. We're, you know, so just just stay. Let's just stay level. It's, people like to panic it's just yeah it's just the way it is especially on twitter <laughs> I, I was gonna say especially you you beat me right to it twitter right. I, I panic about everything and you know the fake that's where the fake news spreads and mm -hmm. um unfortunately you know there's no community notes about uh Kansas state football so 
I'm not going to, nobody's going to be in there correcting somebody. No, we are not going down, down. No, the program is not being destroyed. You are, you are a reactionary. I, sh- I wish I could add like community notes to every panic tweeter about Kennesaw sports. Right. Hey, it's the consequences of having success. So I would say yes. it's a good reflection, right? Yes. And something else to note. Um, I, I don't know if you want to touch on this as we end, but you know, they're kind of, changing i don't think we touched on this last time correct me if i'm wrong but they're kind of changing the requirements to move up to fbs i did see that i think it went from what five thousand to five million oh yeah so basically yeah go ahead i mean it was a little confusing to me i was unaware that there was a five thousand dollar fee i mean that's pocket change <laughs> to any FCS university <laughs> and it's pocket change. Even, you know, I'm not going to talk about the de- devaluation of the United States currency right now, but yes, it is, it is pocket change in any sense. When, if right. I can afford it and it won't break me, I think you need to raise it. Right. But we got in there before the, you know, we we're not, I, I've talked to somebody who knows people very high up at the Milton Overton type level, and mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like we're going to be charged that five million fee. We got in there right as the train was leaving the station. So it, you know, I saw it will not apply to teams currently in transition. So it comes into effect for um, our friends at Austin P though, who yes. are planning on making the jump in 2025. I don't ah, know if that's confirmed ah, yet, but they're trying to they're trying to follow. All right, Owl Chat Podcast listeners, let's take a moment to let you know just laugh at Austin P, who's going to have to pay that five million if they want to move up. So <laughs> I speak for everybody when I give it the old Nelson months. <laughs> and so now, um, you know, we got in there. Um, I was kind of one of those guys that was like, "All right, I'll believe the conference talk when I see it." Blah blah blah. When we were in the ASUN, I wasn't really one of those. There, I know that there were a lot of Twitter guys that were like pushing for it, like, "Oh, we need to move up now, now, now." And I think I can admit I was wrong because if we didn't do it now, I I don't know if we'd ever do it because our our Kennesaw State is not a school that can pull five million dollars out of thin air. Right. Well, we can when we build signs. Yes, <laughs> we can build signs. And- <laughs> And I'm sure if we put some dedicated fundraising to moving to FBS right. that we we could make, we could get the 5 million, right. I'm sure. But, you know, it's not something I, I want to spend the money on when we right. have so much, so many other needs. I mean, think of how many, you know, cool, we could build like a cool sign for Waffle House and waste money there. That way, right. when the baseball players hit the home runs to Waffle House, we can show our super Kennesaw State sign right, right, right next to it. No, I'm just kidding. But that Waffle House um, is a great place to uh, turn around when you're trying to get into the uh, parking lot, by the way. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, because of I, uh, how Frey Road is laid out. It's it's a lot better than it used to be. Um, I don't you know, Kai is kind of young, still a student, like used to be when you're turning from Frey, making a left to go to 75. I think there used to be there used to be two turning lanes there. Uh, now there's only like one giant turning lane. And, right. you know, that that whole cut outside the uh, parking deck by the, I always forget the directions by the basketball stadium, that mm. big road, I forget what it's called, the, the cut through. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Uh, yeah, right by like East Deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was not there when I was a student. So it got really congested. So I don't know how it is now since, you know, I'm never around the area, but I hope it's, is it any better? Uh, it's still very difficult to U-turn at certain spots, which, you know, random bragging point on my hometown. I come from one of the easiest places to U-turn in the country. Um, so I had that luxury. Um, so it's a little annoying, uh, Tucker, Georgia, more specifically the North Lake area. But, um, I I mean, yeah, uh, 
Frey Road's an interesting place. I love that there are two shells um, on the same road. <laughs> um, one of them is about 30 cents more expensive than the other because um, <laughs> that's oh, just I how gas that. prices work. I love that. When you see like, I've seen like literally like three shells on, for some reason, shells are like animals that travel in packs. You'll see like those crappy gas stations. You'll see like one on one side of the road, one on the other, and then a block down, you get another right (laughs) like i've seen like i went to the florida state baseball game and um you know they have a chick-fil-a and i stopped to get something to eat and i'm like oh wait there's another chick-fil-a down the road so i'm literally touching the door of one chick-fil-a and these are all freestanding units and looking at another chick-fil-a on the other side of the road well florida's never been good at laying out chick-fil-a's it's always been you know let's have three in one city and then none for the next 50 miles so Uh, you know they gotta they gotta get their shit together in that department Yeah, Tallahassee really did a good job of, uh, you know, laying it out, though, because they know, you know, if you don't do that, everybody's going to be turning into that Chick-fil-A. And I imagine they had a problem of cars lined up into the street. So they're like, oh, shit, we need to we need to build another Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, uh, unless you got anything to go over, I can go ahead and take us out. No, that that's pretty much it. I've, um, you know, I, I thought this we covered some good content. Um, very excited uh, to see how it's received and also for our next episode. Excellent. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again. Uh, I am Kai Millette. You can follow me on Twitter at Kai Millette and at Big Owl Blog. He's John Finer. You can follow him on Twitter at the KSU Owl or excuse me, Just- KSU Owl How on Twitter. Um, uh, you can read up on big owl blog for more additional content um anything else you want to say today john no um check out you know our message boards are always kind of dead during the summer because nothing's going on but you can check out uh, recruiting info and also message boards at ksuowlhowl.com we've got recruiting info that dates back shoot over 10 years in baseball basketball football and even uh, women's basketball speaking of which i wanted to congratulate you on hitting 100 members i believe on the site Oh yeah, we finally got our hundredth member, and you know that's even um, that's even with me deleting all the bots. So you know I could have <laughs> kept all the bots and be like, oh, I got I got two thousand members here, man. Look at all of them talking about like Chinese uh, Chinese silverware and you know how to lose weight and you know generic Viagra pills. I mean, you guys could have been getting that content from us, but you know I have I have scruples and I deleted them. All right. Well, once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will. See y'all next episode. All right. Peace out, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!